I'm travel journalist Catherine Romine, and this is Banyan Tree's Compass Podcast, a series in which I talk with change makers who are living purposeful, inspiring lives about the experiences that have shaped them and their visions for the future. I'm thrilled today to introduce Anna Oposa, who is an environmental conservation consultant, writer, and the chief mermaid and executive director of Save Philippine Seas, a movement to protect the Philippines' coastal and marine resources by mobilizing citizens to change behaviors and take collective action. With this organization and others, Anna works on campaigns and projects around waste management, shark conservation, environmental education, ocean health, and circular economy projects. She's consulted for organizations including Marine Wildlife Watch of the Philippines, the Asian Development Bank, Climate Change Commission, and United Nations Environment Program, to name just a few. At only 35 years old, Anna has already won many awards and distinctions, co-written a couple books, and is one of 50 counselors of the World Future Council, an organization focused on sustainable development. Anna, you're such a busy, in-demand person. I'm so lucky I caught you. Are you in Manila? Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm currently in Metro Manila. Wonderful. I know you were just on an underwater excursion a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, there was a long holiday in the Philippines. We call it Holy Week. So we didn't have work for five days. And I took that as an opportunity to be in my happy place, which is underwater. Amazing. I can't wait to hear more of that as we talk. To start with, I want to ask you to look back a little bit. What do you consider your frontier moment? Or said differently, was there one particular personal experience or a moment that inspired a dramatic shift in your life and led you in a new direction, catalyzing your path? There was no, well, actually there is one big moment, but there were little moments leading to that. So growing up, I was a daughter of an environmental lawyer. My dad pioneered environmental law in the Philippines wow. in the 80s. So Growing up, I always was so aware, acutely aware of different environmental issues in the Philippines. We would talk about environmental laws and cases and and environmental issues over dinner. And in my family, you always have to have an opinion about the current events and the current <laughs> issues. So it was always part of my upbringing to be conscious about social issues and current events and politics. At 15 years old, I became a scuba diver, which made me fall in love with the sea. Um, I've always been a snorkeler. I love like swimming and being by the sea. But it wasn't until after college when I graduated and I was looking for a quote-unquote real job. Mm -hmm. And I heard about this illegal wildlife trade case called the Rape of the Philippine Seas. And I was so disturbed by that issue and got together with some people online to start this online campaign called Save Philippine Seas. And that was back in 2011. Wow. So that kicked everything off. Yeah. Yeah. There was no, there was no like grand plan of what Save Philippine Seas or <clears throat> SBS was going to be. At that time, it was a hashtag, hashtag Save PHCs. And hashtag ReefWatchPH, and it was a Facebook page and a website. But it, it was created to specifically cater to that illegal wildlife trade issue. There was no like five year strategic plan for it to be like an NGO. Yeah. What did that case make you feel? Or what were your feelings at that time when you did, you know, besides sort of outrage, I guess? I always joke about how it felt like a breakup, but I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat and I was so upset. But I always say that it was actually harder because boys are replaceable, but marine resources are not. 
So true. So true. I love that. So when did you first wish you were a mermaid? And how does the ocean in particular around the Philippines keep you so engaged as you've grown up and become an adult and continued going out underwater? Do you feel a personal obligation to help protect it? And if so, why? I'm such a Disney baby. So I watch like all the Disney movies from like Beauty and the Beast and and Little Mermaid and Mm -hmm. and Aladdin. And my favorite was always the Little Mermaid because I thought it would be so cool to be a mermaid. And when it was time to decide on the titles that we were giving ourselves in in Safe Philippine Seas, I thought it would be funny if I called myself the Chief Mermaid (laughs) because you know how other organizations have like the Chief Executive Officer and the Chief Finance Officer. So as a joke, I said, okay, I'll put Chief Mermaid on on my business card and it kind of stuck like everyone started calling me chief mermaid including government officials <laughs> and invitations being sent to me would say executive director and chief mermaid so i i just like claimed it and i embraced it yeah. a friend of mine said oh one day you're going to outgrow it but it's been 12 years so <laughs> i i'm still the chief mermaid so do i feel a sense of obligation to protect it i would say yes because I don't know how many of your listeners have been to the Philippines or know a lot about the Philippines, but the Philippines is the second largest archipelago in the world. It's made out of more than 7,500 islands. Mm -hmm. So we are completely surrounded by water. It should be part of our national identity. It should be part of our heritage. And I, I like to describe it as a center of biodiversity because of the marine life and the abundance of marine life here, but it's also the center of adversity and just about anything illegal and destructive can be found here in, in the Philippines, all the illegal and destructive practices. And I feel as a Filipino who has this great and deep love for her country, it it just makes sense to care about the sea and, and make sure that we take care of it because if the tagline of Save Philippine Seas is actually because our seas save us. So if we take care of our home, it will also take care of us. Absolutely. That's such a striking number as far as how many islands and just the presence of the ocean in the Philippines. Hopefully other people feel that too and want to be on board with you as well. But I'm sure you've come up against so many trials and tribulations or challenges along this journey. So when you have, how do you conquer them or maybe use them to strengthen your resolve and your message? There are personal challenges, like especially when I was starting out. I was an English major. My background is actually in musical theater. So I didn't have that kind of academic training or technical training to work in marine conservation. So I struggled a lot with the imposter syndrome and feeling so insecure and the way I dealt with it was to overcompensate by like preparing for everything, over-preparing for everything. I've always been a really good student. I like getting good grades. I like studying. So I applied that kind of mentality in my work. So if I would go to a meeting, if I have to present something, I would read so much and prepare and rehearse. And that became an opportunity to, to learn more and to uh, to make sure that I'm working harder than the other people in the room. But there are also professional challenges. And one 
one that I constantly come up against is the Philippine bureaucracy. And mm-hmm. I like to call it bureaucracy because <laughs> it's just ridiculous how many levels of approval we need, how many people we need to talk to to get something done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've become a lot more patient. When I was younger, I would get frustrated more quickly but now i i've learned that if you want to be here in the long run you can't you have to kind of pace how you you regulate your emotions right you have to know your audience i guess and and try to respond in kind and and be patient exactly <laughs> exactly yeah patience is a great lesson for so many different things right yeah for sure if you look at my my bio in my like Instagram or Twitter, my first description is I'm an impatient optimist. <laughs> I like that. The optimist part also so essential for working in this field, I would think. Yeah, definitely. So when you're working so publicly in conservation and sustainability and with bureaucracy and governments and policies, do you feel like your inner and outer lives are always aligned or is it difficult to walk the walk while finding personal harmony? I'm a very aligned person. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but what you see is what you get. The way I am at work is the way I am in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I try to make sure that what I do is aligned with how I present myself and how we implement projects in Safe Philippine Seas. But that is to say that we've also evolved a lot. I've changed a lot and there's always room for flexibility. So if you ask me about my opinions on certain issues, let's say 12 years ago, I would maybe have a very different response now. So for example, mm-hmm. um, 12 years ago, I thought that banning plastics would be the solution to marine pollution. But the more I talk to different stakeholders, the solutions aren't so black and white. Like it's not as easy as just banning and everything's going to be solved. There's a lot of nuance to the different issues and different stakeholders that are going to be affected. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important also to to make sure that we're not projecting ourselves as like self-righteous or like perfect environmentalists because really there's no such thing. Right. And I can imagine the pressure to try to reach some imagined form of perfection in that sense would be almost crippling yeah. because yeah you can't do everything right yeah what are some of maybe the practices that you do in your life to feel like you're staying in tune with your message and your goals like do you not use single use plastics do you not eat mm-hmm. fish or do you have rules for yourself it's funny you asked about not eating fish. I don't eat a lot of fish, not for sustainability reasons, but I just don't like the way they taste (laughs) in general. And Mm -hmm. I'm actually allergic to most seafood. So it kind of works out. Um, People are like, "Um, are you allergic? And I'm like, no, I'm for sustainable fisheries. No, but I'm really allergic. Like shrimps and crabs. But other sustainability practices that I have, I segregate my wastes um, and I I would say maybe 95% of the time I segregate my wastes at home mm-hmm. and I make sure that I drop off the recyclables to a recycling center every few weeks. I try to be very conscious of where I buy things and what I buy 
Mm-hmm. Um, I try to buy from companies that have sustainability goals or I know are making efforts to, let's say, integrate sustainability in their operations and their practices. Because when we buy something, it's like a vote for the world that we want. Right. So much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, maybe this is sort of jumping back. Where in the Philippines is your favorite place to dive? And what do you see when you're down there? Oh, this question. (laughs) Every time someone asks me, what's your favorite dive site? It's like asking who your favorite child is or like what your favorite book is. I always say that it depends on the category. Like there's a place I go to if I want to do like macro diving and see little critters. There's the big stuff like the megafauna and the whale sharks and the corals. So it depends. But I guess the reliable ones that I go to uh, are Anilao, which is a couple of hours away in, in Mabini in Batangas, a couple of hours away from Metro Manila. So in terms of accessibility, then that wins the prize. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of reef health and the story behind it and how inspiring the story is, it's Tubataha Reefs in Palawan. It's a UNESCO heritage site. And it's like, it's like Disneyland for, for divers. Mm-hmm. My friend described it as like, when you go there, your brain hurts from the beauty. Oh, wow. And you feel like the Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And before I was assigned to write an article about Tobataha for like a magazine. And the way I described it was, if I were Ariel, I would not want to be a human. I would just want to stay in Tobataha reefs where I could swim in clear waters and healthy reefs. Oh, beautiful. What is it, Anna, about your work that brings you the most joy and fulfillment? And is there maybe like a moment that you've felt, wow, this has been all worthwhile, or you could really clearly see the evidence of your impact? My favorite part of being chief mermaid is working with people. When I started in conservation, I thought my work would entail working with like animals and being underwater. And people are often surprised that I actually spend very little time underwater. Mm. A lot of it is about mobilizing communities and teaching and facilitating dialogues and working with different kinds of stakeholders. So one day I'll be meeting with like the manager of a multinational corporation. And the next day I'm talking to a shark fisherman. Mm. So it's never boring and no two days are ever alike. And I always get teased about being like a high extrovert and being such a people person. And that brings me so much joy. My favorite part is always working with young people. So like young professionals or teenagers, because mm-hmm. I see how transformative environmental education is for them. And recently we just started this new project. We're now working with public school teachers and running workshops on how to integrate environmental education in their current classes and their current curriculum. And that has been incredibly difficult because working with working with the government is always difficult and challenging, but the reward is also so much higher. When we see the teachers telling us that they understand their role as teachers and that they have the power and they have the confidence to teach it in their in their classes and and to their students and I just it's very new but just thinking about the kind of impact that will bring to the present and future generations it's like 
okay, we're, we're on the right track. We're not doing such a bad job. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Education is so, so critical in all of these efforts. And yeah. you, I mean, you were so fortunate to grow up with that in your household from your father yeah. and your family and those conversations. But I think it kind of breaks my heart to imagine children or young people who don't get to hear about that at all or have exactly. any conversations about that. So it's so wonderful you're doing that. Yeah, I'm very conscious that I grew up very privileged. I was able to snorkel. I was able to travel to different parts of the Philippines. I got to know the different sites in the Philippines, the different cultures and languages. So I always feel that, going back to your question earlier about the sense of obligation, Mm -hmm. I feel obligated to extend that umbrella of privilege and make sure that with the work that I do, I'm able to provide that opportunity to others. So we have snorkeling programs where we take kids or even adults from coastal communities to go out scuba diving. We teach them about corals and fish that they can find in the marine protected areas in their islands because not everyone has that opportunity. But if we create those opportunities for experiential learning, then they can see the privilege we have as Filipinos to have such rich marine life as our classroom and our playground. Mm. Yeah, I love your such a generous spirit. It's a beautiful thing that you're so actively sharing that and trying to expose people to that world because it is a whole nother world. Thank Um, you. Then lastly, with the theme of possibility in mind, where would you love to see the planet in a hundred years from now? Can you paint a kind of picture of what you hope or dream could be the reality in a century? you know, a sort of best case scenario for the world as humans and the wildlife and the ocean and all of it. I love that you said like, what's the positive version or best case scenario, but even, even if you didn't have that standard, I still would have a positive outlook and I I, I wouldn't be doing, yeah, I wouldn't be doing this work if I didn't think there was something positive to work towards. And in a hundred years, I would like to see or I'm working towards a world where environmentalism is no longer extraordinary. Mm. I I get invited to podcasts like this or conferences and, and other opportunities because the work that Safe for the Beans is doing is extraordinary. It's considered innovative, it's considered special, but that is not the goal. The goal is for the work that we do to be so ordinary that everybody in the world feels a deep sense of connection to the sea. And and because of that, we are inspired to naturally take care of of our home because it is a blue planet and 70% of the world is is made up of, of the ocean. So it only makes sense for us to work towards the goal of making marine conservation and love for the sea as something that is part of everyday life. I love that so much. Do you picture a healthier ocean also in a hundred years? Do you think that there might be dramatically different sort of seascapes or landscapes around the world? I do. I, I'm not so worried about the ocean because it will take care of itself as it has always taken care of itself. It will evolve. It will adapt. It may not look the way that we see it now, but it it's nature. That's how nature is. I'm more worried about humans because we're the ones that depend on it. Mm. So 
I know that in a hundred years, the sea will be fine and maybe even healthier than it is now when it finds what it will be when we're able to sort out our issues. Mm -hmm. There's no other option. There is no option to fail when it comes to environmental conservation because we have to see the, the sea and the environment in general and our natural resources as something that is tied to us. We depend on it. It depends on us. So there's no other direction to go but to have that coexistence and that harmony between, between people and, and the environment. I'm so inspired by talking to you. It really has been just a beautiful conversation. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And I hope our paths will cross underwater someday. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Let me know when you're in the Philippines.